Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. I say Nick Powell because his feet are great. It's episode number 228. It's me. It's Chris. We're back again. I wasn't here to enjoy the midweek victory, but Dave Carolishaw was and he's back and you did a marvellous job fitting into those old shoes of hosting a podcast, Dave. How did it feel to be hosting a podcast midweek? Um, the, the main thing uh, that I struggled with, with was coming up with a, a rhyme at the start. I mean, I don't know how you how you produce the hits week after week. I feel very much like a one-hit wonder. I'm very much the uh, Niles Barkley to your Beatles in that respect. Um, but maybe I... I'm crazy. <laughs> oh, no. oh. See, what you... You, 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 say, you say and you... you you say that you're not good with your rhymes, and you say, "Oh, I'm no blah blah blah." But listen, you're here for your puns, and we love it. We love it. It's it's that type of that type of quick wittedness that we'd that we'd miss if you weren't here every now and again, Dave. Tom Thrower, you're also here. How are you? I'm I'm good. I uh, I'm quite shocked you managed to get Nathan Jones to come onto the pod to talk about uh, <laughs> the match, but I'm delighted you have. Incidentally, Dave, if when we finish Stoke Detective, if Nathan Jones wants to be a character, I'm I'm happy to do the voice, more than happy to do that voice. <laughs> no spoilers. Don't like you know. Don't say anything now. We don't want to give anything away. But just putting it out there. Putting yeah, it out I think there. I don't think the actors should influence the script. I'm very very <laughs> clear about that. It's not part of my artistic vision. <laughs> Fair enough. We are here, gentlemen. No Tony this week. Tony unfortunately pulling out of the podcast last minute because he is not feeling well. We send him our best wishes, of course. But he's missing out because it is, of course, Josh Timon Day, and he's missed out on the celebration. We are here to talk about Stoke City three, Luton Town. Zilch, nil, zero. Some three-word reviews. Season back on. Powell at ten. Hatters are shitters. Potters, batter, hatters. Looks very easy. Nick Powell, saviour. Far too easy. That's for Ryan. Jones, big... (laughs) Don't laugh. It was for Ryan. Jones. Private Ryan. (laughs) Private Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Jones, big stinker. Stoke with swagger. Luton are shit. Tom, are Luton shit? I've no. been waiting for this. No, they're not that shit. If you look at their um, underlying... <laughs> uh, Here's the funny the thing. The, literally the funny thing is, because you you got a few snipes yesterday, Tom. You live forever in the in the memory of the collective consciousness of Twitter. But there'll always be someone... Yeah, there'll always be someone who's like, oh, wonder what that stats man says. Oh, did did Luton win the on on stats? No, they didn't. <laughs> they, got, they got absolutely slapped about. <laughs> oh dear, uh, it's, it's almost as if, and and the same applies to um, criticism of certain players in the team. It's almost if there's there's causation between the uh, the arguments of oh well we're doing good and oh well we weren't doing good and <laughs> praising the former and. Um, Criticising the latter, eh? There's no need to sound smug, Tom. Come on. 
Let's... <laughs> it was. It Tom's, was a very... Tom's amazing because he's created this situation whereby he is never wrong, and I'm <laughs> here for it. <laughs> it is. It is brilliant. I. I gotta say, I. I. I marvel at the artistry of it, Tom. It is. It is fantastic. Um, Dave, that was. I, I said something along the lines of I've never I don't think I felt so relaxed watching a Stoke game in so long because it just felt like Luton couldn't do anything to us. How how did you view it? Um, I agree. I think it was the most complete ninety minutes we've put together in a long, long time. It, um, you know, con- contrast that with the Sheffield Wednesday game midweek, where it was a sort of diabolical first half followed by an improved second half. This was. Um, you know, a total domination from start to finish. They didn't lay a glove on us at all, really. Um, we we were, of course, massively helped by their defenders deciding to fall over at opportune moments. And I don't think we'll um, we'll catch many teams having as bad a day as Luton had. But uh, in fairness, those mistakes were probably a symptom of the way we approached the game, which was pressing them high up the pitch, uh, get getting the ball to Nick Powell as much as possible, getting the ball into Fletcher as much as possible, and just not giving them uh, any time to create anything. And what, when they did have some spells of possession, they were they didn't know what to do with it. They were wayward. They were, dare I say, a bit like us under Nathan Jones at times. <laughs> um, but I think there was the extra d- degree of motivation from the fact that we were kind of we got that win against Sheffield Wednesday. That could be a hugely important result for us going forward. And also, um, perhaps maybe one or two players had a bit of an axe to grind with uh, our former Welsh <sighs> manager. Um, so, yeah, you can't you can't really fault that performance at all. I don't think there's anything particularly to have a go at at all. Maybe just the fact we should have scored more than three. It was mm. it was just relaxing. It was. <laughs> enjoyable it was some excellent stoking you yeah you've you've brought up a a few points there that i really want to really want to discuss um tom you decide where where do you want this conversation to go do you want it to go down the uh, tactical side that o'neill put together namely nick powell as a number 10 or would you prefer to talk about nathan jones I'm gonna go with the the the, the talking about Stoke. Good, that would be nice. Good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, when I say about Nathan Jones, what I was going to go on to talk about, and we will talk about it in in a bit, but it was just um, Dave alluded to it there that a lot of a lot of what Luton did, I felt anyway. See, I'm just guiding the conversation to talk about Nathan Jones. Flawless. Um, <laughs> no, but but what um. Uh, uh, Luton made some catastrophic mistakes. Really did. It they looked Nathan Jones in his post match thing that got shared around was like saying that they seemed to have no drive and no desire and he was disappointed on that front because he expected expecting more from them. I don't know if you've seen Nathan Jones's post match interview, but it is it's an assassination of his squad. He's he lays into them somewhat somewhat chronic, and I imagine you would, because he more than anyone would love to to win against us. But how much, Tom, let me bring it back around. How much, Tom, was our romping victory a part of Luton's uh, ineptitude and them crumbling and, and, and just not being very good? And how much of it was a change from us that, that really put every, the emphasis on us? I think, I think it's 
the form of the 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 the, the way we set up and the clinicalness to score that first goal put us in a situation where Luton's mistakes were going to compile and we were going to be able to take um, account of them. And I think that that is something we've lacked, especially in that 4-3-3. Just if we get a chance, it's not a, it's not as clear-cut as Stephen Fletcher, no-look pass, rolls it to Nick Powell, who <laughs> I, I'm not sure could miss. I'd like to see him try. I, 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 there's times when Stoke players would have missed that chance and I don't want to think about that. Um <laughs> But we do that and then suddenly it does all seem so much easier. We spent the next 15 minutes battering them continuously and then they got back into the game. Mike Padgett got very, very angry about a free kick. <laughs> um, and, and and we just held... Lo- and the thing about that that made me giggle was that we kept talking about, oh, well, they're, they're on top of us. Oh, we're going to lose. They're, they're Stoke need to get back into the game. They had one shot mm. in that period, sort of of the second half of the first half. Um, which is the thing that being 1-0 up that we haven't been lets you do. It lets you ride out those moments going, well, we'll just keep it tight. We'll just keep them. They can have as much of the ball as they want. We know that we can just see out this patch and then move into the next one, which seems to be something that is very much at the heart of O'Neill's game. And it, it comes back to, actually, Dave said the Sheffield Wednesday win. It comes back to the Norwich loss, I think. I think that may have been the, the straw that broke the camel's back for Michael O'Neill of going... I want this system to work, but it's not. It just won't work. And 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 I think he said in his comments that that it was a bit of a wake up call for the team. But I think actually he was more talking about himself. Bit of a wake up call of this is how good Norwich are, and we can't just grind them out if we. And that's how good we need to be ultimately. And um, and we have been. Can we talk about how? And I mentioned this in my tweet to Not Tom Plenty. How it, it, Nick Powell and Stephen Fletcher seem to operate in a different world to the rest <laughs> of the game that's going on around them. It's beautiful. The rest of the game is chaos and fifty-fifties and big tackles and loose touches, and those two are just flicking it to each other like they are playing FIFA. Yeah, I mean, we we've, we've definitely. St- wax lyrically about both of those players on this podcast and more than happy to say I was totally wrong about Stephen Fletcher having not liked the the idea of signing a 30 plus strike 30 year old plus striker uh, for presumably some big wages I he has proven like that he is so he is so reliable in in this squad it's actually gets me to a point where I am worried because he is like approaching the end of his career what that like what do we do going forward because he he just when he even when he's not scoring and let's be honest he's pretty good at that he just yeah as you say Tom the the link up play between him and Powell and Nick Powell a player who you can you can see the just the quality of him. I mean, again, we, we we laugh Nathan Jones mentioning in his post match that oh I signed him for Stoke. But like he he is a he is a player that is just he is a top a top tier player for for this level anyway. Um you can see the flashes of him being that player that Man United signed, definitely. Um and playing in a number ten role, it just funnily enough, it just works. It's it's nice to see, um, and it is. It's nice to have some level of technical ability, which makes 
football nice to look because there has been some times <laughs> this season where football has not been pretty and boring and yeah would you agree Dave yeah I mean I think that was arguably Nick Powell's best game for us um okay the fact he scores two goals helped but um as you say it was everything in between it was all the interplay with Fletcher and um the way he just found pockets of space time after time after time um and he just and you could tell he was having fun as well I think that was a big thing I noticed he just seemed to be enjoying himself maybe he, he tried one or two passes that didn't come off like maybe like flicking with the outside of his boot and stuff but <laughs> You could tell he was just—he was really, really reveling in the fact he was like orchestrating everything. Was the heart of everything we created, and uh, yeah, him and Fletcher just complementing each other so well because they both have that. Um, what's it called? Ability. Uh, because they're both <laughs> sort of really talented with the ball at their feet. Uh, they're able to create situations from us, and this is showing us the way we needed to go post Campbell injury was with these two at the heart of everything Fletcher's nine Powell's ten and just using these as our creative force because without them and without Campbell there is very very little uh, to be excited about in this sort of front three slash four however you want to describe it but um, but that allows the likes of Time and, and Brown who yeah as we said about McLean and Brown last uh, last episode it just allows them to play without so much pressure and um, just work hard and play with a bit more room as well. They can play with more space because the the rest of the d- defenders are just shitting themselves, thinking, "How the hell do we deal with Powell and Fletcher?" <laughs> then, then time time can run down the left. I thought time I thought time had a good game. I thought he had a good game against um, Wednesday and Brown was slightly quieter, but I thought he he. He had a good game, you know, contrary to a lot of people's opinions against Wednesday. Um, so, yeah, I, I just thought that was just peak Nick Powell. He's so, so important to us uh, when he's playing well. And I think more than anyone, he is our team at the moment. If, you know, I don't, I don't think by any means that was a one-man performance yesterday. I thought mm. Sutar was excellent. Allen was excellent. Fletcher was excellent. Um, and... I don't think anyone really was below a seven out of ten either, um, but but Powell was just something else. He really really enjoyable player to watch when he's like that, and I really hope he can have a bit of a run of games now where he is just the focal point. And because I think there's a there's a worldie to come from him and Fletch. They're both due a worldie. They've both been threatening one, but I'm looking forward to uh, to some absolute pingers going in. <laughs> Uh, we had the worldie from Powell. I'm really sorry that that second goal he scored. Uh, just there's something beautiful about a defender just getting smashed to smithereens by an attacker coming from behind them and heading. It's very in. Nat Lofthouse. <laughs> it was yeah. Yeah, that, I completely agree with both of you there. Um, I also, incidentally, really liked the third goal just for the absolute uh, cluster f- fuck that it was uh, in terms of uh, Luton defender falling over. And it's just been one of those goals where they just tap, you just tap it across to your mate and tap it in. It was yeah, a massive a, a, shame that we could, we couldn't have. The, there was there was set to be a third comical instalment where Sluger. Um, was in by the corner flag tackling uh, yes! Kegas and 
God damn! If 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 we'd have scored off that, I think um, I think Luton as a club would have had to retire. Um, but yeah. he's got that in him. That Sluger does. Yeah, I he's mean, funny, there's something some, something majestic about a goalkeeper who tries to shield the ball from an attacker when he's not going to be able to pass it to anyone. And the, 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 his his lines there, so he could kick it for a corner, and the the touch lines there, he could kick it for a throw in, and you pick shielding it. Okay. Definitely, Tom. What is what's next then for this Stoke side? What do they need to do now to to keep this going? I've seen a lot of comments saying that. Well, I'm probably probably tongue in cheek, but people suggesting that the playoffs are, are back on, which I'm uh, refuse to to get into any of that hype. But what? Is can this be the start of something a, a nice turning point for Stoke? First, we need to win three games in a row, which I don't think we've done under O'Neill ever. Um, yeah, so that if 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 we are to progress to the team, we need to be we need to win be able to win three games on the bounce. I think that is something that needs is the first block that needs clearing, and Barnsley won't be easy to do that against. And I do think that whilst. I don't necessarily think the playoffs are back on. There is something really, really lovely about winning your game when the three teams in and around sort of the bottom of the playoffs who you might catch if you set the league on fire, um, losing all at the same kind of just having that excitement of, oh, here we go, this could be it. Like we could actually finally be building up and things could be falling in our favour and that's what makes the championship the championship. We've gained seven points on Brentford since they last won a game. That shouldn't happen, so that's fun. Um, <laughs> let's let's just keep winning matches and be happy. Uh, yes, yeah, exactly. Let's let's just try try and be be happy, happy as we may be. Though we're going to talk about something sad now. Um, it was confirmed midweek, as alluded to earlier in the. I, did, I think you spoke about Ryan in the last episode. I can't. I'm sorry. I, I can't remember. Um, Ryan Shawcross is off to Miami. Welcome to Miami, Ryan. You can listen to that Will Smith song all the time now. I bet he's had it on repeat. Um, a very emotional and very emotional time. The club, I think, have done a decent job in getting all ex players who've played with him to to eulogize about him um it's it's been yeah uh an emotional week i saw you dave uh put something along the lines of that football doesn't make you feel like as emotional as it once did but on on the day that it was announced you you did feel a, a, prong, a prang of emotion um yeah it's sad but also happy yeah dave yeah of course yeah um i think everyone's because this has been in the pipeline for some time, I think uh, Saturday was all about kind of just kind of uh, acknowledging what a uh, fantastic player he has been for us and, and a genuine, and there's there's no equivocation with this word at all, Stoke City legend. Um, he's it's it's insane to think about because. Uh, I remember his debut against Cardiff. I remember listening to it on the radio and uh, him being interviewed afterwards and saying, oh, I've, ne- I've never heard my name being sung by fans before. That's weird. <laughs> and um, and there are some people uh, of a similar age or younger than me who've 
Brian Shawcross at Stoke City is all they've known. That's like, it's just been a fact since they started supporting Stoke is that Brian Shawcross plays in centre of defence. And 14 years is a hell of a long time to spend in any job, in any career, uh, let alone professional football. Um, and yeah, I think the loveliness of the you know, his kind of ex-teammates tribute and on Twitter and stuff. And you got to see lovely, wholesome boys like Mama and Money and Boge and uh, <laughs> Sorrow and Abdullah without his curtains and all the rest of it. Um, it was it, it was sweet. And it's... I'll go back to what I said a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, is that it is a massive shame that it is taking place with no fans there to... Uh, just give him give him that kind of final send off from us. And I, I know um, his his wife will have been inundated with tweets. And certainly, if if he just has a even half a scroll through social media and stuff, he 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 will you know appreciate that level of love and support. But yeah, it's it's it is it is sad because it's Ryan Shawcross and he? he's been Mister Stoke City for for fourteen <laughs> years. Um, but yeah, I mean. He's going to be sipping cocktails on the beach in Miami soon. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted for him. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's wonderful for him. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that he spends a, a good few years playing in the MLS and, and has a has a good time. Am I right in assuming that that Stoke City legend Breck Shea is also into Miami? Is that correct? I could be wrong. I may I have to Google this. That. I think that's a thing. Let's let's find out. Breck Shea, he plays for Inter Miami, so that link up, that link up is gonna be gonna be great. Um, I think we're yeah. all into Miami now, aren't we? I mean, even before the the Breck Shea news, which I know has definitely swung it for all of us. But um, lovely, lovely old kit, just a delicious sort of uh, blend of colours there, um, and you know, owned by David Beckham, Eng- English football's own David Beckham. And not mm-hmm. forgetting Fizzer Phil Neville, who, who you know, I I personally love. Um, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> it, what, what, what's wrong with Fizzer? Just because he was, just because he's shit at every job he's ever had. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. It's. I mean, I hope they have a nice time. I hope. Um, th- there were very very nice words said from uh, into Miami when they officially announced it. A lot of. Uh, a lot of positive words to say about Ryan, uh, which would be expected, of course. It's it is interesting because it leaves a, a space now in the Stoke lineup for someone to become the next official captain. We've obviously had a lot of stand-ins, lots of different shouts. Um, I don't know who who Tom. Who would you want to be like the next main captain for Stoke? I mean, with with my hat on, yeah, with like the hat of me, yeah, James McLean. Um, <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen. And I think maybe like when I, and the reason I say James McLean is because I look at the squad and it probably speaks to what Ryan is to Stoke. And I just don't think any of them are worthy of it, like genuinely. Mm. And I don't mean that as an offence to anyone in the team. I feel that because of the role Shawcross has played for this club and. The uniqueness that that probably has in modern football, and in football anyway, I mean, sort of, there's definitely a generation above um, me who have never really had anyone who's been that synonymous with the club. Um, so trying to pick another captain, like, fucking hell. You would, I mean, if I was a player, 
and I was asked to have the club captain role after Ryan Shawcross, I think I'd definitely be saying to the club, can we leave this till after the season? Like <laughs> We will just carry on rotating it between yes. the squad for now. There's no rush. Like We don't need to announce one. Yeah. No, I, I, yes, definitely. I think that that would be wise, and they can then make a, a bit of a song and dance about it in the in the summer. Would you, either of you, be tempted to to give it to any of the young boys? I, there's been a shouts for either Collins or Suter to 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 pick it up at some point. In very much in the mold of young Ryan Shawcross picking up the 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 armband. Yeah, I'm, I mean that's definitely uh, a tempting thought for me uh, purely because. Um, you, you, the the sort of more experienced names likes of I don't know Allen and Bar and Mikel and stuff I don't see them necessarily here long so and of course you don't need a a captain to be someone who's gonna spend fourteen years at the club like Ryan has but um, I think it would be a, quite a nice statement of intent from the club if or just kind of more sort of a symbolic recognition of the fact that we we are trying to promote youth now we are trying to sort of grow a sort of culture of uh, giving our young players the best possible opportunities and even if it's maybe as club captain rather than on the pitch captain which is a whole different thing you could go into um you you could you could say giving it to someone like harry suter for example especially if, if he's going to be playing for the rest of the season unlike collins uh, he's it's it's I think quite a nice thing. And I was just checking there to see when Shawcross himself got the actual captaincy. And he was 23 when mm. Pulis made him uh, captain. And, okay, to be fair, Pulis, not one for youth promotion necessarily. <laughs> but he, that was in a team with the likes of uh, Delap, Hooth, um, Walters, you know, guys who perhaps maybe seemed more like captain material than Shawcross did at the time. And I think you could argue the same for Suter, who is 22. Uh, he's just signed a new contract, so he's you know got that potential to stick around. Hopefully, you know, providing big clubs don't come, don't come a call in. So yeah, I think Suter would be my choice. I totally see why you'd pick a a Joe Allen or a I don't know or a James Chester kind of figure because of kind of maybe influence in that regard, but. People did criticise Shawcross's, I don't know, captaincy from time to time, saying he wasn't mm. that vocal, and you don't necessarily need to be like that. But I think Sutar is bo- is vocal. I think he will have a sort of presence in the dressing room because not only is he six foot eight, he's also um, he's also playing really really well, and I think he'll <laughs> he'll have the respect of his teammates for for that as well. So yeah, I think I, I agree with Tom. I don't think anyone is worthy of it purely purely because of what Ryan Shawcross was and represented. But uh, if I had to choose right now, I'd, I think I'd give it to Suter. Have I have I ever told you my my weird thing where I I I firmly believe that a captain should also be a centre back? Have I told you this before? No, I don't know if I have. So my. My and it's probably just purely based on on Shawcross being captain. But the way I the way I see it is, if a captain is someone who is uh, like sh- you want someone who's controlling on the pitch and whatever, I feel like it needs to be someone who is looking at the game in front of them rather than someone who's like 
Like, I, I, it really bugs me when a striker is captain. It really bugs me because it's that like, doesn't no, happen often. The, no. the, there was a new trend in international football, well, relatively new, of keeper captains. So you've got like Casillas yeah. as, as Spain captain, and I think I don't know if Buffon was Italy captain, but um, that that seems to be more sort of the done thing now. Is you have the keeper for the same reasons you said, Chris, of like being able to watch the whole game. But I see where you're coming from. Ultimately. I don't think it matters that much, but uh, I do um, I do see where you're coming from. Well, that's my argument for not giving it to Joe Allen anyway, because even if he's central midfield and he, you know, I can see what's going on, no, he, no, he's going to be bo- if he's going to be box to box, then you're not seeing the whole game, Joe, and so it's got to be it's got to be he's got to be a centre back. I'm afraid. Oh man, it's all good fun. Um, so. Uh, what else should we briefly discuss? Is there anything quick that you guys want to discuss? Is there anything that we've missed? Uh, shall we talk talking? about Timon and Campbell being a bit naughty, or should we talk about Benefiphobe? Yeah. Well, let's well let's do let's do naughtiness all together, shall we? Naughty time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So... Chris Brammer's naughty time. <laughs> uh, you're, yeah, you're right. Uh, those people, those of you who listen who aren't on social media, will have missed uh, Tyrese. And Timon, the the double T's, um, having a bit of a pop at Nathan Jones, weren't they? A little bit. Yeah. So uh, some 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 naughty boy from uh, from Stoke City Twitter. Um, I can't I can't remember who originally posted the image, but um, there's a there's a classic photo of is it Shabby Alonso at um, is is it? I think it's some random celebrities. I don't think yeah. it's. Oh, he looks like Xabi Alonso. He really looks like Xabi Alonso, the man in this picture. Um, <laughs> but um, of basically doing like a, a a kind of fuck you sign by an open grave and it's become a sort of meme. And um, they posted it with uh, O'Neill, Powell and Fletcher sort of giving it the big one by the graveside of Luton Town. And uh, there was an image of, sorry, Tom, Nathan Jones in, in the ground, in the dirt. Um, uh <laughs> coffin is a wonderful wonderful shape um but yeah so but i think uh timon uh posted it with this is class or something and then campbell posted it with a gif and stuff and i think i think they've possibly both been deleted now but um mm. i think it, i think our friend jamie chatfield did uh say this is quite telling isn't it like um yeah. I think maybe there's a. I think possibly in the age of no fans in the ground, footballers have been a little bit more sort of cocky and out there on social media. I think they they've been a bit more kind of free. So, um, like, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, I'm all for players having fun on, on social media and stuff. But it, yeah, possibly not the wisest decision those two lads have made. But it might reveal something about the way certain players felt about uh, Nathan Jones particularly I know Time and didn't get much of a chance and, and Campbell definitely got loaned out didn't he so I can see where their resentment might come from yeah and then a phobie today a video has come out from a podcast that he's been on where he speaks albeit briefly about his time at Stoke and how he came with the expectation as we all had of us of us walking the league and then how we were we were bad and under Nathan Jones he didn't get that much time and then you kind of saw it there again a little bit of a it, it wasn't it wasn't as 
it wasn't as in your face as as Tyrese and and Josh Tymon, but um, it certainly there was a little bit there that you were like, oh, I don't think the players really like Nathan Jones that much, and I wonder if Tomins did, and that's why Tomins has not really featured because he's a little Didn't bit fucking play like it, did he? No. <laughs> It's true. Yeah, very true. But it's, it's an interesting one. The the, the the Afobi ones got an interesting reaction out of people because I've seen a lot of people uh, criticising him, saying that he's giving the big uns because, oh, you shouldn't be giving the big uns because you only scored six goals. And and I don't know, I just, I just really didn't see it like that. I just saw it as a candid chat. But then maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm not, I, maybe I don't I love don't... the club as much. I thought it was a it was it was a footballer candidly talking about a move that didn't work out for them, like in a really honest way. Especially because I think Afobi's had um, a, a certain treatment from our fan base that hasn't been the best thing in the world, and I could understand why he feels aggrieved at being the top scorer shipped out of the club and getting a negative reaction from the fans because. I feel he, under Rauer especially, was always sort of um, a bit of a scapegoat, a bit of blamed for not doing enough. Um, I think footballers are entitled to their opinions and people seem to be really precious about it when it, when it, when it reflects negatively on the club. But fuck's sake, like, we've had two terrible shit seasons. <laughs> if someone was sat there going, oh, well, you know, it didn't work out, does uh, that's boring and, and unrealistic, and we all sit here and talk about how shite we've been. So why can't the players reflect similar? Yeah, I think he said he said basically in the in the two minute clip that's sort of gone round that um, it you know it seemed like a ideal move for him. He'd be you know in a championship side playing a lot in a really fancy championship side that had kept hold of it, two of its star players from the Premier League season and, and signed, uh, he spent big money on a bunch of uh, attacking players and he thought, yeah, and he was on more money and he could uh, stay in Stafford and he was like, yeah, this is great. But that that was us. If you go back and listen to this podcast from the beginning of that season, we were kind of just a bit sort of optimistic and stuff as well weren't we 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 were sort of very impressed by the business we'd done and we were we were really looking forward to that season so when things inevitably well it's not inevitably but when things went wrong like i I don't i don't know what they expect a phobie to say if he's being honest which he is in that interview he's like yeah well I, i i tried i scored five or six goals then Rowett was sacked and didn't really work. He's not, and and the fans criticised him, which they did. Um, and we've almost certainly criticised him on this podcast. But I, I do, I do agree, Tom, that I think people were quick to jump, jump on a phobie when, let's be honest, Gary Rowett's style of football was not conducive to creating chances. Um, it wasn't conducive to creating an awful lot at all, really. Um, so yeah, I, I think yeah, people have been incredibly precious about this. This is um, just someone just recounting events that happened. It's, it's, oh, unless he's like called Potamus a twat, I'm not really, I'm not really interested. <laughs> I'd love it if a footballer had like took took real exception with the mascot. That would be. Oh, oh, oh no, actually, I've just seen some. Um, more comments from that Aphobia interview. He says, mm. Oatcakes are shit. Um, oh, no. Pots are overrated. <laughs> and 
<laughs> and Nello's boring. That's what he oh, said. Oh, man. Well, he's rightly been chastised for such flagrant disrespect of the town. Oh, my goodness. Right. I think we've we've talked about everything we possibly can talk about. It's been a nice week. I've enjoyed the football this week, and that's all you can ask for, isn't it? Anything either of you want to briefly mention before we go away? Stoke 1-3-0. It's, it's mint, isn't it? It's just mint. It is mint. Dave, thank you once again. Have a nice week, Dave. You, you too, Chris. Up Cheers. the fucking potters. That's it. Tom, we'll see you sometime in the future as well. The rest of you, stay very safe. And we'll see you next week. Go on, Stoke.